The Case of the Gilded Plum, a Detective Brunasaurus v. Rockefeller Erotic Mystery, by Brent Constantine. Chapter 6 The knife dug into the powerful pouch of protective flesh below Bronze chin that cascaded robustly down to his clavicle. Though his grizzled jaw gut could dull a cold breeze or prevent the wastage of stray Dorito pieces that fell from the detective's mouth, a neck bulge would offer meager respite from hard steel. Quite the mess you've made here, Bront, the knife-wielding and possibly owning woman said. But I guess you never did know how to clean up after yourself, especially your various half-empty shampoo bottles all over the bathtub, sink, and floor of the bathroom. Wait a minute! How do you know about that? Bront asked. I shut down that live stream to my bathroom years ago after I was banned from Twitch and then every subsequent streaming platform. Another smaller knife extended from the blade of the first knife. I said, give me the phone, Bront. This woman's voice wasn't messing around. The safety set to off on my knife and one wrong move from you or one right move from me could set it off instantly. Let's talk about this. Bront said. I'm going through a lot right now. My power and water just got cut off because I didn't think I should have to pay them anymore. I'm a victim of the system. I pay my taxes sometimes. The water should work for me. I pay your salary, water. Stop crying. You're making me sick. The knife zipped and flipped back into its knife cozy and Bront collapsed to the floor with a splash of fluids. Most of them his own. Oh, thank God. Thank God I'm alive. I'm still alive. Oh, my God. I thought I was going to die. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Mm, I'm alive. The mysterious woman holstered a knife back into its knife holster that was also a belt, holding up knives and her pants. She was a ninja. There was no question about it. Her baggy ninja robes, form-fitting ninja shirt, the trademark ninja mask, and the big patch on her back that read, Ninja Clan, back off. I don't have much time, the ninja lady said, looking at her Apple Watch Series 6. Hand over the phone so I can hack the drive and drive straight to that hack gentleman pretzel. I plan to drive my sword straight into his pretzel hand with a gentleman's hack. Wait a minute, Bron exclaimed, cupping his ears into a technique he called super ears that allowed him to hear twice as fast. After waiting a minute, Bron continued, know that voice anywhere. I thought you said we'd never see each other again and you could kiss that ass goodbye and it was Splitsville, baby. I'm a ninja now, Bront's ex-wife Marigold said with a flourish of her sword, Chucku. I've taken the pledge of the ninja to rid the world of those who would oppose ninjutsu across this city. I'm an orange belt. Bront had made it no secret during their three months as man and man's wife that he had been sexually attracted to ninjas and, to a lesser extent, Samurais, but Marigold had constantly rebuffed his attempts to initiate ninja play as a couple. It hadn't been the only reason for the breakup, but along with Bronze penchant for signing up his wife for high-interest loans to finance frequent sailboat excursions for potential detective clients, it hadn't helped. I know what you're thinking, the ex-wife said through ninja-grade face fabric. I never wanted to dress up as a ninja when we were a couple, but it's different now. I'm not beating up and killing men and wearing open-toe sandals for their sexual pleasure. 
I'm doing it for the thrill of feeling the open wind on my feet and my own sexual pleasure. This was the so-called women's wave feminism that Brunt had heard about at college. He had argued for hours with students that feminism needed a man's touch, but his ideas had been rejected and he had been asked to leave and not sleep at the college anymore, even though it was way closer to his office than his own apartment. You think you're better than me because I'm not a ninja, Marigold? Brunt screamed seductively. He knew that no ex-wife of his could resist the Rockefeller charm. He had it. His father had it. And when they assembled the charm, it spelled out number one sexy son and dad. He jingled the charm around, hoping to catch her attention. Ding-a-ling-ling-loo. But her training obviously made her impervious to sexual attack. It was like trying to seduce a rock, which Bront had long ago decided wasn't worth the effort. Let's forget about the past, Bront, Marigold sighed. When we divorced, we legally agreed to no hard feelings, and we went our separate ways. You, me, the kids, we're all living our own lives now. But, to answer your question, yes, I do think I'm better than you because I'm a ninja. The ninja way of life is something that you could never even conceive of. Our open office has a shared tumbling mat, sand garden, and ninja salad bar. If Brown was impressed, he didn't let it show. And he was impressed, so he had to hold his hands over his face so his expression of impressment wasn't visible. I don't want to stand around and watch you cry, Bront, she sighed again. I'm going to sit down. Brunt quickly shook the pilfered cell phone out in front of him, activating scramble mode. Scramble mode initiated, the phone said. This is what you get for talking to me like that, Brunt said triumphantly. Now you'll need me to find pretzel gentleman. Only I sort of remember where he is. A deadly birch katana was zipped out. Gulp, thought Brunt. Zip said the katana. This blade was handed to me by the ancient master that runs Table 76 of the Sword and Board Flea Market, the only flea market that deals exclusively in bladed weapons and all types of board-identifying recreational activities. Marigold explained as Brunt nodded to show that he was actively listening to what she had said, something she had often accused him of not doing while they had been together. Oh, wow, that's so interesting. Tell me more. Rockefeller said, remembering the secret phrase that all detectives knew how to keep people talking and not slice your guts open with a wooden sword. None of your tricks, Rockefeller. I want information. We all want something. I want information. Ooh, okay, okay, stop stabbing that into me. Jeez Louise, what did I ever do to deserve this? I've never done anything to anyone. He said to meet him tomorrow night at the old something-something garage. I don't know anything else. I swear. Don't hurt me. I can't live in a wheelchair. Marigold shoved him away where Brunt landed with the agility of a cat onto his hands and knees and then back. I shouldn't have expected you to remember the location. Just like you never remembered my birthday, even though it's the same day as your birthday. It is? <laughs> That's news to me. I'm going to go stake out the old garage district to see if I can learn more. She pointed the attack end of her sword at Bront's face. Stay out of my way. She tripped over Bront's body, which he had curled into a protective ball. I said stay out of my way. She kicked him like the sly dog that he was and tapped the communications device in her ear. It was advanced far beyond Bluetooth. It was Blacktooth. It's me. I need a pickup. The ninja attack helicopter must have been nearby because Bront saw it almost instantly hovering in the window. Army ninjas were sitting inside the middle part of the helicopter, holding onto large ninja machine guns. They moved the guns up and down, then side to side. 
looking for anything dangerous to shoot. Someone yelled, come on in, and then Marigold hopped inside. With the speed of ten detectives, Brunt defenestrated himself and grasped for the helicopter. Missing completely, he was saved by his pants belt loop, which was caught on the helicopter hook, probably used for rope or something like that for helicopters. Maybe the rope tied up the helicopter at night. Damn! Brunt screamed as the ground pulled away from his dangling feet. I forgot to get my trench coat back from the club. They better not touch any of my magnifying glasses. Without a magnifying glass to his name, the detective was unable to make anything look closer. In fact, everything was looking further and further away, as if he was looking at the world through some sort of giant magnifying glass, but one that made things look further away instead of closer. A demagnifying glass. I didn't know this city had so many Ferris wheels, Bront said. Suddenly, he felt the familiar tug of someone trying to rip his belt loop off of a helicopter. Marigold was standing over him, ninjas at her icy command, using their throwing stars not to throw, but to cut. Use the stars to cut through the pants of a star. I told you not to get in my way, Brontosaurus. And then, that's exactly what you did. Bront couldn't hear what she was saying because of all the helicopter wind, but his years as a first-class AAA league detective made it clear to him that she wanted to get back together. Sorry! It's not going to work out, Marigold. Like I told you, I like to sleep in the middle of the bed with my arms and legs splayed out to each corner. That's just who I am, and I refuse to compromise even a little bit. Brunt felt his last belt loop give way and instinctively shot his hands to his waist to stop his pants from falling down. But, because he was now thousands of feet above the earth, his pants did fall down, along with the rest of him. But the pants fell down slightly faster. The detective tumbled downward at the speed of gravity, watching his ninja ex-wife wave to him, ninja style, which was waving while wearing ninja gloves. As she reverse tumbled, aka flew, higher and higher in the cloud-covered earth sky. Brot looked around for a bird or drone to grab hold of, but they were all too far away to reach. Sweet sizzling Sherlock, Rockefeller shouted his trademark catchphrase that he often forgot to say and may or may not mention again during the rest of this adventure. I've got to come up with a plan. Okay, I'm falling through the air. What's up in the air? A plane! Maybe I could signal a passenger plane with my hat to fly underneath me. But the detective found all of his hat morse code useless when plane after plane flew by without stopping to pick him up. If only I hadn't returned all those giant novelty self-inflating helium balloons this morning, Brown said. I held them in my back pocket for six months. I guess it wasn't worth the $8.99 in store credit after all. Suddenly, at the speed of sound, Brown heard the unmistakable crackling of a hot air balloon fire. Of course, the detective exclaimed as he plummeted towards his death. Tonight's the single only hot air balloon speed dating event for ages 27 to 35. Below, Brunt spied the bunch, which was the proper tomb for a group of aerostats. Aerostats were, of course, what lay people referred to as hot air balloons. If he was able to land in the basket of one of those aerostats, he had a chance to survive the freefall. Sure, the Balloonatic Singles Association wouldn't be happy, but that bridge had been burned long ago when they had revoked his membership for what they called inappropriate behavior while hovering. 
Rockefeller placed his hands at his side and formed his body into the shape of a torpedo or seal and fell faster and straighter into the balloons below, where singles were engaged in small talk while piloting the mighty swollen bulbs into the sky. I can't just jump into the first balloon, Brown screamed. I need to slow my descent. Where's my balloon knife? Rip! Holding the metal claw before him, Brunt sliced through the side of the balloon fabric. Reaching the basket, he kicked its edge, propelling him onto another balloon to repeat the process. Tearing through a dozen balloons, leaping from one to another like a powerful flea that was also a detective, Brunt landed hard into the basket of a large purple balloon as screams drifted away below him from the deflated dirigibles. Looks like those leg days at the gym are paying off. Every fourth Sunday of the month, he lay panting. His legs ripped as hell underneath his now sweat-soaked detective slacks. Um, excuse me, shouted a shrill voice. This is a private balloon excursion and you're ruining the mood. We only have seven minutes with each other single and I need this to work out. Braun opened his heroic eyes and breathed through his heroic esophagus. Listen, lady, I don't have time for this nonsense. I'm trying to save lives. My own and possibly others. The balloon single man backed away from Brunt with his arms above his head, clearly a technique signaling an imminent attack. Brunt countered by pushing him over the edge of the balloon basket and into the water below with all the other ballooners. Now how am I going to find out how his day was? The balloon woman said. Listen some more, lady. Why don't you just calm down and go to sleep or something? I'm commandeering this balloon for official personal business and personal pleasure. Now you can either teach me how to steer this balloon, or you could steer it yourself, or you could jump out. My ferrets need a role model in their lives, the woman yelled, landing a solid kick to Rockefeller's chest, which was one of his secret weak spots. Splash! The splash came from the water when Brunt splashed into it. The murky depths of Balloon Bay stretched out in all directions around him. Unable to tell up from down, Brunt knew from his years of watching the ocean on shore that all he had to do was open his mouth, relax his body completely, and simply let it float him to the surface carried by the strong current. The breeze of the sea. Moments later, his lungs filled with briny water and he lost consciousness. Water retched from his nose and mouth. Gasping for air, Brant found himself collapsed on the gravelly shore. Lights from the city reflected on the rippling waves, broken by the inky blotches of deflated balloons and the struggling bodies of waterlogged ballooning singles. Look, he's alive, a heavy voice said to his side. Get him up and put him in the van. Mmm, Brant said, hoping to start a discussion. He was hoist between the shoulders of two men, both wearing pumpkins on their heads. Put him inside and buckle him up, said the leader, who was wearing the largest pumpkin of all, carved into a spooky pumpkin face. He's the guest of honor at tonight's gathering of the Halloween heads, and Lady Pumpkin's very excited to meet him. <coughs> Lady Pumpkin? <coughs> Looks like this might just be my... <coughs> Sexiest adventure yet. <coughs> yet. End of chapter 6.